right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to be joined by my guy Swipa here on weekends with Swipa. We're a little bit late. Uh, the Nuggets schedule kind of worked out that way, where uh, just a lot like having two games against the Portland Trailblazers back-to-back will do it to you, and then having games on Friday and Sat and Sunday will also do it to you. Uh, Swipa, how you doing, my guy? Oh, man, I'm doing well. It's an interesting weekend. It was a good weekend. Glad I got the win versus Portland. And uh, the Denver Nuggets, uh, no coach of the year or honorees for anybody this year. No six-man, no second all-star, no second all-NBA, you know. No um, dunk contest, we'll have, no, no three-point yeah, no contest. contest. No three-point, no skills challenge, maybe. Apparently no rising star in Peyton Watson. Yeah, man. I mean, the Nuggets are just in – they're in shambles right now, man. They just have not done a good enough job organizationally collecting talent at the – apparently the, the coaching front office level or at the player level. It's funny, man. Like, that that reminds me of the conversation that we had last year around Jokic trying to win the third MVP because it's – this is now the second year in a row where everybody said, oh, yeah, well, the Nuggets are just Jokic. The Nuggets are clearly just Jokic. They're not like – crediting anybody else for being an all-star caliber player crediting anybody else for being oh yeah you deserve to be in the three-point contest or the skills challenge or anything like that it's never been about anybody other than Jokic because Michael Malone's not even receiving coach of the year consideration at this point despite the fact that he's clearly good enough to do so so it's interesting to see that uh, kind of play out but like like look I mean Jokic probably will win an MVP this year if uh if he has anything to say about it Here's the thing, bro. Right now, I think uh, basketball reference, like last year, I think he had a 60% chance of winning, 65, 70, something like that. He's at over 50 now. I mean, if we're, the only reason Joker wouldn't win, and I get Shade's been great and Tatum and Giannis, man, but I'm, I'm not going to hold you, bro. Like, no one is having more impact on the game, and everybody knows that. Like, that's the funny thing. Everyone knows it. Um, I think a lot of MVP stuff right now is like, is there anyone other than Joker that we can get 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 it to? you know and yeah. i think right now man joker is just like and again i but i already said this like he's 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 the best player in the nba since 2018 braun and this is the biggest chokehold anybody's had in the league and the best player in the world outside of jordan braun and this Jokic. and i think right now man like even if the numbers you know i know a lot of fan bases are like well you know, I know there are certain players putting up some numbers similar to Joker. I'm like, man, that's the thing. It's not just the numbers. Like, nobody just has the total control. There's a there's a complete difference to it. And it's always going to be like that. And as Jokic continues to age, like, I, he's his birthday's coming up this month. And I think he's turning 29. Yeah. 29. Um, like 27 and 29. Jamal Murray, 27. Yeah. Jokic, 29. Real grown men. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Kind of in a different stage now rather than the – the young duo that, that we we've seen for so long, but uh, it is funny that that now they're, they're kind of moving into that stage where you got to start looking for declines at some point and in, in physical play. And, but it's certainly not going to be a decline in the skill set of the game. And like, that's going to carry Jokic for so long, like as, as long as he wants to go and as long as he keeps his body in, in shape, like he's going to be just unbelievable for, for a long, long time. So, there's also a great article uh, that came out, by the way, that I read from the, I believe it was the, the New Yorker, and it's from uh, yeah. Louisa Thomas, um, and it's how Nikola Jokic uh, became the best bas- became the world best basketball player 
And it's one of the most in-depth, if not the most in-depth piece that we've gotten on Joker maybe in his career. So definitely go check that out. Again, her name is Louisa Thomas. She works for The New Yorker, and you can find it directly on her Twitter handle as well. But it's a really amazing piece, man, where she captures a lot of different layers of Joker and all of this without having a one-on-one interview with Joker as well. She really did her homework. Yeah. Hey, that's what investigative journalism is all about. And like, that's a, that's a, a nice little crossover, I think, between like somebody, somebody like Joker makes it very hard for a regular reporter to do this. So getting an investigative journalist out there, probably not a bad idea. So it's a, it's a good take, but uh, no, it's interesting seeing uh, this kind of unfold. And then I guess we should probably talk. Oh, we want to talk about that arenas. Well, arenas. He, he's, he's just chatting. He, 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 well, he said he's not a superstar, but again, the way that I define superstar, I have seven in the league, yeah. superstar, 1A options for championship team. The way he was describing it was who moves the needle publicly um, and basically which of these players are like the ones that are like everybody coming to the arenas to see. So like John Morant, superstar, LeBron, Luca, superstar. But uh, but the funny thing is arenas loves Joker because arenas all last playoff run was just like, glazing joker in every possible way like he just loved yeah. his game and talking about his impact and stuff and the difference between him and everybody else so i think some of this conversation is i think it's important for people for superstar most people when they're talking about superstar they're going off of market and moving people moving the audience i'm talking about it as a one a option and i only have seven in the league and it's Jokic. how many i got Jokic, uh Giannis, Jokic, Giannis, steph lebron katie Kawhi and I think Luca. Yeah, I think Luca's a like that's a good one to have on there. Um, no, it's it's had, he barely hadn't made it all the way yet because Luca's might not make the playoffs again. Yeah, no, it's gonna be like kind of weird to if you don't make the playoffs in back to back years, it's gonna be hard to really qualify in that discussion. There, there is no there is no superstar that you could look at and say like in their, in their prime they're missing the playoff back to back years. You know? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, okay, hey, let's pivot. Let's pivot to. This game that that just happened. So Denver actually played Portland twice for for those that are just tuning in here. They played them twice on Friday and on Sunday. They won both games, and what I think were basically the same game in a lot of different ways. Like yeah. there there are a couple of different layers that I think like different guys played really well. Like Jokic was unbelievable in the first game. Jamal I think had a nice bounce back game in the second one. But uh, we should really talk about Peyton Watson and Christian Brown kind of to kick this off right. here because those guys like. With Peyton, it's it's been expected with the way that he's played over the course of the last 30 or so games. He just keeps moving up and up and up, and we'll talk about that for sure. With Christian, I'm I'm more excited about that because he needed a game. Yeah. Like he, he just needed one of those performances where you could really hang your hat on it and say, yeah, he was a main contributor for why they won, and he played 27 minutes and was great. Yeah, what do you have? Uh, four points, three rebounds yesterday? It wasn't yeah, even like the numbers were insane. Nothing crazy. It was just... Let me let me pull it up here. His defense was incredible yesterday, man. Like his effort on the rotation, he crashed that. Remember the offensive rebound he got for yeah. a putback? Yeah, that, that was that a was, great that was play. Bucket. All right, that was a great play from him. I think it's stuff like that, man. Christian just has to do all the little things at a high level because that's what makes the Nuggets so dangerous, man. Is that they have Christian Payton coming off the bench, where you know, parents parents describe this age for two year olds. They call it the terrible twos, but that's what they are. Christian Brown and Peyton Watson are the terrible twos. Like they're they get in the game and they muck everything up. Like and they're long, they're strong, they're athletic, 
And all they do is hammer you on the defensive end, and they run in transition, and they're spot-up shooters. And that's what they're yeah. supposed to do. They're the Bash brothers. And I think, you know, uh, Michael Malone talked about this with Peyton. Like, Peyton, you just need to do, like, do that. Just do the stuff that you did well in the playoff last year. Be a Bash bro. You know, you get on your enforcer on the court. You know, when you get around Jamal and Jokic and MPJ, hey, you, AG, KCP, and Peyton, y'all just yeah. need to be rotating, taking people out in terms of defensively locking in and getting every single rebound, every single ball on the ground, and everything. That's that's the thing about I love about basketball. There's Jokic and there's Murray. And then there's MPJ, who's like this fits in between this. But mm-hmm. you're dirt like you're 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 like your grinders, your your players that are supposed to be like the enforcers. Like Jokic is an enforcer, and so is Murray, but I'm talking about like on the on the margins, AG, yeah, your connectors. And your like Peyton, Peyton and Christian, man, that's all they need to be doing, man. Like bodying people every yeah. single matchup you get, whatever wing you see. And you saw yesterday, you know, Peyton Washington got he got a DeAndre Aiden in the post and he wouldn't let him take advantage of him. And you saw versus Giannis, he wouldn't let him take advantage of him. Like, I don't care how big you are, yeah, we finna fight, you know what I mean? I think those <laughs> are the kind of players that Christian and Peyton have to be. No, most it's it's so important for it, man. And like so, just going back and looking through some of the numbers here, Christian uh, against Scoot Henderson. So Scoot tried to take him multiple times. Christian did a great job against him. He held him in both com- games combined uh, to two of six from the field, and that's the, including a game where Scoot had a thirty point game against Denver. And like that's like his defense was great this weekend against Christian and mm-hmm. or against uh, Scoot. And I know Scoot's a rookie. I know that that's that's not maybe the toughest matchup that he's ever faced, obviously. But it's just getting some building block moments where you can build that confidence back up. And Michael Malone had a, a really, really nice message to him pregame that I, I made sure to get as many quotes from as possible, just saying that he's got to be better for Christian, that that Christian has to be better too, but he's got to be better for Christian and put him into success, to, to positions to succeed. And I firmly agree with him that like, Denver's been putting Reggie Jackson and Jamal Murray and Peyton Watson in, into positions to succeed. Christian, it's been a little bit of an afterthought just because he he fit in so well last year. Why wouldn't he fit in this year? Now they're kind of getting into that place where you got to figure out, is he going to be one of your guys? Is he going to be one of your playoff guys, especially before the trade deadline, which is in 72 hours? So right. it's going to be fascinating, but I think that I think that he can play himself back into that, and I think that Denver trusts him to do it too. Look, some of this is, man, I think that Christian is just confidence, man. Like, defense has figured him out. Crowd to paint when he's in the game. Don't let him get to the rim and stand in front of him. He doesn't have a back. He has no back. Christian literally is the – I had a Zeke and DJ, and they're bigs. Christian might have the, 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 the least amount of bag of any wing guard player that gets minutes that plays on the roster. KCP, guy, yeah, at least definitely, a little hedgy definitely tween, on little Denver, like, you and know, especially like, because like with with a guy like KCP, at least he can run some pick and roll and get himself to a mid range pull up too, or something like that. Where, well, he, but KCP, here's the thing, people: the KCP, if he was just playing in a basketball setting, he could dribble better than anybody in the world. In the world. Like yeah, KCP, yeah. just his role isn't to do that. Like he he has very low usage as a dribbler. But yeah, I mean, if KCP had to like, if you just see him in a park. Hey, 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 step back. Like, he could do all that. But Christian is just like, you know, hard dribble, 
hard dribble, you know, some of this stuff he'll just figure out and he'll learn. So, again, just develop confidence, play within yourself, and you'll get better as the season goes on, as time goes on, figuring out all the other stuff. But just make sure you keep the main thing the main thing, and your main thing is defense and rebounding. Last night also talked to Peyton Watson after the game, and that dude is just so confident, man. He's He is in such a great place right now where – uh, just just taking advantage of the moment that's been presented to him, taking advantage of the opportunities. That's exactly what you want a young player to do. And and just like he's showing it both like on yeah. the court and on the and at the podium. Like that dude is like as confident as it comes and like never could really break his confidence. Like three points per game in college, didn't really play in his rookie season, didn't really matter because like he just he trusted this the stuff that he had and knew he needed an opportunity. And like he continues to prove me. Uh, even wrong, like even more wrong in terms of the levels that he can get to. It's just been awesome. Look, man, you've already heard everything I've said about Peyton. I, you know, I don't, I don't think Peyton, he, he comes, I think a lot of stuff, sometimes you got to look at people's background, man, like PG, Kevin Durant, Kawhi, like Harden, like that's the school he comes from. That's like the area he comes from, man. He just didn't get a chance in college. But it's the best player in California coming out of high school, out of 5A basketball. It's a huge deal. And then he comes into the league, and it's like, okay, go be the best defender on the team. All right. Develop a little mid-range shot. All right. Develop a three-point shot. All right. Attack hard in transition. All right. Every time they ask him to level up, he just is like, okay, I'll just work on this, work on this, work on this. Bro, I, I legitimately think, man, like a year from now, bro, the conversation about Peyton Watson can be completely different because it's just like he's just he's that good. And uh, he's just be everything is he's a beaming confidence. He knows what he's supposed to be doing a lot of the time. He's still learning, obviously, every day. But I just think people are just not quite aware of how good that dude could be come playoff time. Like I'm talking about, this could be like a series changing level player just because, like, oh, like I we did everything right, and just, but then there's like this six foot seven wing on the roster that's just like every time he, we need a play, you know, he's crashing the boards. He's running in transition. He's a freak athlete, so he's just out jumping most players as well. And then, look, we got KCP and, and AG off of Jason Tatum. Great job. Here's Peyton Watson. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's going to be fun, man. I, I think that he's going to be the guy that, if there is one, he's going to be the guy that breaks a team in, in the playoff series where right. you do everything right. You do everything to get the ball out of Murray and Jokic's hands, for example. And they're they're like this other team is having this awesome run and they're playing great defense and they find the ball in Peyton Watson's hands. And Peyton, like, like he's still young. He's gonna make mistakes. There's no doubt about it. But he's also gonna have these moments in the playoffs where he hits a clutch shot. He right. hits a he makes a clutch pass. He gets a clutch defensive stop and then gets mm -hmm. the run out in transition and dunks it over somebody and is just like hyping up the crowd as much as he can. I can see that world, man. I really, really can. And that's an exciting place for Denver to be because I, I don't know. I don't know if they knew before the season if that was going to be what happens this year because he's still 21. And and he has proven without a doubt that that can be what he is. Yeah. Yeah, man. We'll see, man. I mean, the sky's the limit. I really am impressed by him and Christian last night. Um, and I think. You know, Reggie, obviously, we'll have a conversation about him in a minute. You know, he's a really important player for the team, too. But and then sometimes they're they're just going to need defense. Like, they're just going to need defense. And I think having Christian and having Peyton come off the bench is like, it's just going to be a really, really big deal. Going to be awesome. And, and like, it's one of the things that's actually going to shape my conversation about the trade deadline with you. 
uh, that we will have a little bit later in the show. So we'll see what happens. But hey, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the game flow from last night, as well as a, are we worried about certain guys? Is there is there something that we should be a little bit more concerned with? But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook, who are changing the game and are currently in the, uh, the they're taking residence up with the big game in Las Vegas right now. So Make sure to go win some money with Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling. You can use that promo code MILEHIGH and you score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to 250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code, and you'll get 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Joined by my guy Swipa on this Monday edition of Weekends with Swipa. Sorry it didn't work out over the weekend, folks. Both of us were very busy and just trying to trying to make it work, especially with two games. So, nah. Yeah, yeah, both of us were busy. Yeah, okay. Ryan was very busy, okay? Ryan, Ryan was very, so very busy. So busy, y'all, uh, playing <laughs> man calling on a date. Yeah, that's it. That's That, that was uh, very close, very close. Um, that, that is, it's not, not far off, but, but that was, uh, it was pretty close. Do you play Mancala? No, I don't. I, uh, you know what that, that is? Actually, it was more movies. We, we do some board games, but like, uh, no Mancala. Hey, uh, chat, do you know what Mancala is? Bro, I, bro, first off, I, I didn't realize they had it on the iPhone games and yeah. then I found it. I, bro, I love, man, we should play that. We, did, did we play that in kindergarten in like preschool, like with the board and then with the marbles and stuff that, did, did you play it then as well? A little bit, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I don't have many memories of Mancala back in the day. Like that was, mm. we we did some other things. We did some other games. Mostly, like it was. I I remember the Duck Duck Gooses and the things like that. That were just like less more board games, but like there's some like Operation and things like that. Mm-hmm. The, that's that's the the one that I remember when I was a kid. So um, that was <laughs> always always fun. No, we were doing more movies. That's uh, it's always always fun. Movies and movies and food. Um, all right, let's get back to it. Let's talk about this Nuggets win. Uh, game flow from last night. Denver was kind of meh for, for much of the first half. They needed a right. big third quarter and fourth quarter turnaround to really get it done. And they used an 11-0 run at the end of the third quarter and a 12-2 run at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So basically a 23-2 swing uh, that really shifted the game, obviously, and put Denver in the driver's seat for the rest of it. Uh, that coincided with Jamal Murray kind of coming back onto the floor at the end of the third quarter and Jokic finishing the third quarter. And those guys just, it, it was unbelievable watching them in at the end of that stretch where they both kind of turned it up at the exact same time and just absolutely floored the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, it was her playoff rotation. So like some of that is like, why are they doing this versus the Portland Trailblazers? I think people just, not everyone. It's not like people are complaining about it, but I think for context, the NBA season is really hard. Yes. It's really, really hard. You <laughs> saw the Timberwolves lose to the Charlotte Hornets. You saw the, the 76ers for the bead was going crazy. They lost to the Chicago Bulls in Philly at one point in time this year. SGA, they were struggling with the Raptors yesterday. Like, every every team has these lows, and it's really difficult to just come up every night and be like, all right, bet. 
let's dominate this team that we're supposedly better than because the numbers don't matter when you're playing versus a team. It's like, oh, well, you're actually one of the lowest net rating teams in the league and your three-point percentage is trash, so don't make this shot. Huh? Take this. (laughs) Like, And they made 50% of the threes in the first half, basically. So, like, I think some of this is, man, like they just had to grind out a win because Portland didn't want to get beat twice in a row. Yeah, because it's really hard to beat someone twice in a row, and they showed up. And Anthony Simon had a better first half. Yesterday, DeAndre Ayton had a much better game, a lot better yesterday for, for much of it. Yeah, except so, for when he was really, not looking at the when he was not looking at Jokic. Like, I mean, to be fair, Ayton though, like he's played against Jokic a lot. Like, Jokic literally got the ball all the way right here, so Ayton is like, "Well, I've seen him make this dumb three before, <laughs> so I'm just gonna turn around." He literally did it like eight months ago. I'm just yeah. gonna turn around. It's go, probably going in. And then he sees no ball, and he just hears a, you know, a very fast Serbian polar bear just running right by him, and then and one. Very fast Serbian polar bear. I'll use that in my next uh, in my next article. That seems that seems like a good that seems like a good thing. Um, yeah. So like Jokic goes off the floor at the end of that third quarter. Denver goes back to Murray with AG at the five in the fourth and they also blitz Portland during that stretch as well. Uh, just what are you learning from that group in particular? Honestly, the biggest difference isn't even Reggie. Look, man, is 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 Peyton. Mm. Peyton is, if he's scoring, then again, not just threes, but like even he got to the mid range shot and made it twice. He got an offensive rebound. He did his little Kobe right leg kick up in the air. You know, or the pull-up three-pointer, or the offensive rebound, or the defenses and the deflection. If Christian Brown is rebounding on the offensive glass, if Peyton is rebounding on the offensive glass, well, Jamal Murray is going to have these quarters in the playoff where he's going to score anywhere from 10 to 23 points in a fourth quarter. That's yeah. going to happen. Because he said it four times in three playoff runs. Yeah. So more than likely, odds are he's going to do it again at some point this year. So you need, beyond Reggie, because Reggie is a – He's going to hit some shots every so often, and Reggie's going to get to that little line. He's going to cut through a zone. He's going to get a floater up or get a mid-range up, or they're going to try to get a rim run with DJ. But I'm yeah. saying, like, if the other options are on the court that are able to score enough points and offset, like – and then defensively, if AG, Christian, and Peyton are, like, locking in, then they're not going to have a lot of opportunities offensively to score on them. So I think they just need to convert on some of these high-variance looks that they're going to get. I think that's fair. And I, like like you said, it's just going to come down to some of those those fringe looks that like sometimes you're going to make them at home. Sometimes you're going to miss them on the road. Like that's just how it goes. How many of those can you steal in a situation like that? And then can you create offense from your defense, especially with a group that is more defensively inclined, I would say. Um, but yeah, like that's it is a it is a hammer blow to some of these teams that like when you can run middle pick and roll with Murray and Gordon, like they like Murray set him up really, really well. And I think these last three games, I would say even including the OKC game where there were, there were some plays that Gordon was able to operate on the short roll on. There's a lot of stuff that there that you can really like, but uh, in the last three games, I think he's really starting to figure some stuff out. I think Denver's bench is starting to figure some stuff out too. Peyton has really shown a lot. If Christian can hit a couple threes here or there, then that's going to make a big difference. But mostly it's going to be about Murray and Gordon with those lineups. And then Reggie as kind of a secondary creator. Right. Yeah. I mean, this all leads into another conversation, man. Um, 
Murray's going to have to carry offensively. I think Peyton – I think here's the thing for me. I just think for me it's easier to the, for a wing to be able to develop as an all-ball creator a little bit and to be a and to create openings for himself and for others. Like it's easier for a wing to do that than asking another point guard, I think, next to Jamal Murray just because that's just the way like – I just like that breakdown a little bit better. And then Aaron Gordon, you know, he can be a finisher. He can be a spot-up shooter at times and score a little bit, but – you know, I think a lot of this offensive, the offensive ceiling in that, that group is still going to depend on on Peyton because if it's Jamal and it's Reddy, then you got two players that are going to be at the top of the key that are basically going to be trying to create like one on one because they're not running action for each other. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, no, some opportunities where Peyton is screening for those guys. If you can get the ball in the short roll and then create a little bit out of that, that's a nice option. Um, Denver can go to a bunch of different things, and I think they'll try to use Peyton in a bunch of different ways where he can impact the game in, in that regard. But I'm excited to see how they play around with it. Michael Malone is continuing to do a lot of interesting things with those guys. And, and like he's changing up the rotation a little bit in the first quarter or in the first half, the actual bench lineup that he went with featured two starters. It was Jamal Murray. It Reggie Jackson came off the floor uh, at the end of the first quarter. And at the beginning of the second quarter, it was Jamal Murray, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Peyton Watson, and DeAndre Jordan. Now that group didn't really work in my actually, you know what? I, I will, I will disagree a little bit. I thought that they did the right, I, they did the job like in Deandre sure, Jordan's sure. minutes. DJ was a plus six in minutes. Yeah. Like DJ was a plus, like he was a plus five in eight minutes. I'm, I'm looking at right here. Like that is good enough in, in eight minutes, like from your, from your bench guys. If, if we're being honest, like where Denver kind of lost those games, lost, not lost, but like where they lost the minutes were right. the starter minutes that featured, Reggie on the floor next to the starters and then like some of the staggered looks between like Jokic and some of the other guys before Murray came back on Murray was plus 16 in this game and a, a distinct difference from how it usually goes in my opinion but like still interesting to see that there's a slight difference there but I think that the starters will be better it's it's not about finding anything too permanent but like if DeAndre can give you what he gave you last game then that's probably fine yeah we got to talk about that trade deadline bro because yeah I don't. I did. I did have not loved DJ minutes, and I just, you know, especially next to Reggie. Like everybody knows, they're going to try to get to the rim run, and yeah. so we're just zoning up. Literally, everyone's running zone versus the Nuggets out of that second quarter and fourth quarter, and that's a tough spot to put Jamal Murray in to carry a negative offensive lineup versus a zone. Basically, he has to be shot make out of the world. It's been it's been a lot of pressure on him individually, and like that's something that he's going to have to. He's going to just have to navigate. Like, that's what stars do. And, like, Denver will put him into a couple better situations. Like, they'll put KCP out there next to him, along with AG mm-hmm. at the five. They'll put Michael Porter out there at times. Like, that's that's going to happen, I, I have no doubt. But uh, going to be fascinating to see. Real quick, I, I want to just share, like, and we'll, we'll end the second segment with this. Last 10 games, three-point percentage-wise, Michael Porter's down to 34.4%. Um. He's down to 42% from the field. I'm wondering how concerned you are about his game specifically and kind of where he fits in along with how, like how Peyton has played and just like sort of the, the different evolutions that Denver's taken over the course of these, these last 10. Yeah. So tough just because 10 games means nothing to me. It really doesn't, like, okay. it doesn't. <laughs> but it's not nothing, but it's also like, it's Michael Porter. Like it's just, he was shooting 42% from three leading up to that stretch. And then he's going to do it again. And I think the thing with Porter, like, 
We, bro, it's not like he's, bro, remember the bar for the Bucks even. You and I were sitting, well, we weren't sitting next to each other because, you know, I was in another section. But, um, <laughs> wow. you know, we, we saw, we saw Michael Porter, I'm talking about wide open, top of the key three-pointer, above the break three-pointer. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, come on, bro. Or some of that corner three versus Boston. Remember the one he missed? It's like, oh yeah, he's been breaking some. But it's also like it's Porter. Like if, if his best skill set is his shooting, and the big, the biggest thing I had issues with yesterday was his defense. He just wasn't like moving and staying in front of people. And then he no, had to like, over the uh, the Matisse Tybal ones, like where yeah. he's running Matisse Tybal off the line. Like, right. bro, what are you doing? Like, it's it is still very frustrating. And I'm not necessarily just talking about this from a shooting perspective, but like what makes Porter so valuable is that he's an elite shooter because he does not do a ton of other things, especially within the concept of Denver's offense and like within their, within their, their scheme. So getting somebody out there who plays better defense more consistently and can do some more different things and is a little bit more versatile, it wouldn't surprise me if Denver kind of goes that route every now and then. Yeah, but also this is not his fault. Because I think the more I've learned about Porter and I've learned about his injuries, I'm like, some of this physically sometimes I think it's it's not a, it's not as if he's hurting. But some of it's just like, he just doesn't even have the same, like, for instance, when he gets beat uh, sometimes when he closes out, if he doesn't close out perfectly with his body position, he physically can't turn around and like, just like, you know, Ugh! Like, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like, it's a little slower. It's like, ah, you know, but like, it's not like a. It looks like uh, the drop foot is engaging where the, the the foot is like nailed down to the ground and he's not really opening up the hips as much with the back. Right. So like, so it's that's not a fault thing. That yeah. just means his positioning, which in the playoffs, it was last year. Like, it has to be dang near perfect all the time, which again, it basically was for a yeah. lot of those games, which is why no, they were missing people. A positive like, impact in defender in that moment, for sure. There's he no doubt about it. 14% from three, and they dominated the Michael Porter Jr. winners. Yeah. In the finals. So some of this is Peyton, bro. It's just, he doesn't, Lord willing, he just stays this way. He just is like, oh, I basically played zero minutes last year, zero minutes at UCLA. I played a lot of minutes a senior in college, right? I've talked about this. In the last four years, this is the most time he's gotten, except when he was a senior in high school. Yeah. So, yeah. Go ahead, Peyton. Go get it. It's funny, man. Like, he... He deserved, he just, he completely has earned it and he deserves it. There's no doubt about it in my mind. Um, but I just, I wanted to make mention of that because like we've had a lot of talk about Murray. We've had a lot of talk about kind of the ups and downs with, with Murray and that and how he's gone. But like somebody bring this up, uh, Rob Sheldon. I don't want Chris, I would not want Chris Middleton. I like Chris too, but also, right. I did this thing with Jason Temps the other day because I, we were talking Middleton's about uh, 31 and a half. There's no way. Yeah, he was averaging like 13 points a game on the year, bro, for a while. Huh. Okay. Look, but we were talking about third options. I mean, Ryan, we could always have Austin Reeves. Like, but you know the deficiency that caught Austin. Like, he's a better on-ball creator, better playmaker, but defensively much worse. Spot-up shooter much worse. He's just not the same gravity-level player. Rebounding is worse. So yeah. some of this is like if you compare Porter to other contender three options, then it's like, well, the Celtics, I mean, Derek White, yeah, like they're they're smart guys. They fit into the system. I'm not sure I'd rather have them. I'm not sure I'd rather have Porter. Like they're about the same. Yeah. 
So I mean, it's interesting. You know, next to Nikola Jokic and Jamal, I'd rather have Porter just because, like, you need that. You need that size. That versatility. Yeah. Oh, you don't think that Drew Holiday or Derek White could fit in perfectly well? No, I'm good. I'm straight. Well, unless you replace KCP with another kind of a bigger. Yeah, no, it, it would be replacing KCP. It's not replacing Porter at the three. Like, that's that's a little. Well, yeah, well, of but, course, you know, you replace, yeah. you know. Drew Holiday, who's an all-star. Yeah, great. It sounds wonderful. Man, but too bad we're not the Celtics. Too bad the Nuggets aren't the Celtics with five all-star level players, apparently. Did you see yeah. that? I saw it. Did you pull tweet that tweet where he said that the Celtics – what did he say? It would be a, 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 a shame? Yeah, it, it would be a shame. And, and like, if if everything – if the world is good, basically, like, the Celtics will get four all-stars this year. And they'll get, like, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and Derek White added to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, good Lord. The the East is just a different sport than the Western Conference. I hope it happens. I really hope it happens. Yeah, yeah. Denver just uh, they take down so many teams with, uh, with all these all stars. Man, it's so crazy. Um, okay, hey, let's take a break. When we come back, I know everybody's here for the trade deadline combo. We'll talk about that in just a second, and and so I'll share some thoughts from my article from earlier today. But first, let's get this message from Kim Becker. What's up, guys? Kim Becker here with Mile High Sports. Make sure you guys are following us on social media so that you never miss a Mile High Sports daily. Monday through Friday morning, we'll post a video hosted by me catching you up on everything you need to know when it comes to sports right here in the Mile High State. TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, you name it, we're there, and we've got you covered for everything Colorado sports. All right, back at it. Pickaxe and roll final segment here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, so if you haven't seen it, I'm going to link it down in the comments. Actually, you know, I'm not going to link it because I just have people click off of this this podcast. Um, I am. I just posted an article on Mile High Sports, which is basically a comprehensive trade deadline primer of what the Nuggets are going to do, how they're going to approach things from, from the trade deadline perspective, what can they do? How can they add? What what are the choices that they have at their disposal? And is anything really viable? Um, before I get into that, I, I do want to share this quote from Michael Malone that I put right at the end of it. Um, he shared some thoughts on the trade deadline approaching and basically said, uh, I don't think that Calvin will be actively calling many teams right now. Quote, I think you always have to be responsible and say, uh, can we do anything that makes us better. That's always a question you have to ask. But knowing Calvin and the brief conversations we've had, there's nothing where Calvin's on the phone, burning up phone lines to 29 other teams because we think we have a tremendous starting unit and we've got some guys on the bench that are young and developing and have a chance to be really good players for years to come. Uh, I love the group in that locker room. I love where we're at. And more importantly, I think we have another level that we can get to. So Malone is, I think, putting a stamp on the fact that he, they don't think that they need much. They really don't. Like this team, as currently constructed with the rotation that Michael Malone believes he'll play in the playoffs, I think he's very comfortable at this point with the guys in Denver's locker room. Swipe, do you agree that Denver should be comfortable with what they have? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, no problem. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable, perfectly fine. I, the reason why last year was so great, because they didn't put Monte Morris or Faku Campazzo next to Jamal Murray. They put Bruce Brown next to Jamal Murray or Bruce Brown with Jokic. And having a, a player that's a legitimate plus offense defensively 
who also can create enough pressure at the rim, who also is a not a great spot-up shooter, but a decent at time. Like, that's what changed everything is the fact that Murray didn't have to take on, like, the main assignment. And then that way he was fresh in the fourth quarter. So for me is – Unless Reggie is just going to like take his, you know, take a real leap defensively in the playoff and he's spending energy, which he did in 21, uh, 2021, then that's fine. But I just think like Dennis Smith Jr., DeLon Wright, like if you can just get another PG that can be next to Murray, that can take some of that responsibility off of him, then I'm perfectly with that as well. And then even getting a big like Damron Sharp or another big, I wouldn't say Biff McBiombo, but I think a, a really a competent big you can play. Um, but again, that could help mitigate for the last. 30 games of the year uh, for even Aaron Gordon. That way he didn't have to take on an increased amount of minutes because Zeke and, and DJ are working out. So those that, those would be the biggest ass that I would have. It's interesting to approach it from that perspective because on one hand, you want to bolster what can happen in the playoffs, but I think Denver can also bolster what happens in the regular season too uh, from the perspective of, like you said, keeping Jokic's minutes down, keeping Gordon's minutes down at the five, making sure that those guys are fresh for the playoffs and not like having to stress out as much as they, they possibly can. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they approach it. But I, I ran through some different names in this article that I, I want you to talk about here. DeLon Wright is one of them. Um, given that you're, you're just mentioning the Bruce Brown kind of comparison, uh, Denver used a guy like DeLon Wright last year in Bruce Brown. I think DeLon Wright is still very good. I actually pulled this number for the article uh, he's got a 2.9% steal rate in his career, which ranks 29th all time among guards. Mm. Like he's a great steals guy. He's one of those guys that will pick pockets. He will do a lot of things. And he's like six, five with long arms. Uh, yeah. Six, five is the, uh, is the height there. I'm not sure what the actual wingspan is, but I'd have to guess it's around six, eight, six, nine. Um, he can run some pick and roll, but he's more of an off-ball guard, kind of like a Bruce Brown, and there's some stuff to that. But what I will say about a playoff lineup, I think that Denver is going to go away from Reggie a little bit in those backup minutes. I think that they're going to get to the following group. Jamal Murray, Christian Brown at the two, Michael Porter at the three, Peyton at the four, and Aaron Gordon at the five. So they'll have three starters that they they play there, but they will play a little bit less Reggie Jackson, and they'll have Christian Brown kind of be the main on-ball guy more times often than not. Or rather than have Michael Porter out there, maybe they go with KCP instead, and they play KCP as that too, um, and then move Christian to the three, which I think is a very reasonable lineup. And you play a little bit more of a defensive group, Um but like I think I think Denver's going to play around with it, and Michael Malone's going to play around with it over the course of this season to try to come up with which combination he likes best. But I think that's the one that they're going to land on. So Reggie basically will come in as a six man um, play with Jokic. Yeah, he would. He would probably be the first guy off the bench in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. Like they'd still go with the the four starters, or maybe they take Aaron out pretty early so they could put him back in, kind of like what they do with Jamal. And they decide, okay, we're going to. Uh, play some staggered groups and because they, they did that a lot in the playoffs last year where, Hey, it's uh five minutes left in the quarter, four minutes left in the quarter. Hey, we're going to take out Jamal. We're going to take out Aaron and we're going to bring those guys back in early when Jokic, when, when Jokic sits, but not a moment before. Yeah. I mean, I think that's fair. Um, 
I think Reggie's good with Joker. They have really good minutes together in the lineup data. Uh, but I also want a guard. I hope to go. I would hope Reggie again, still defensively, just don't make it like super difficult for Joker. Like you have no. to defend at a high level. You're going to have no. to. There's no doubt. Uh, one guy that they could go after is Alex Caruso. I think that he's going to be priced out for them. The only way that they could get in on him really is if they throw in one of Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, or Julian Strother. And if they're not willing to do that, then they're probably not going to be able to get in on Would those you trade Christian Brown in that deal? Yeah, probably. Um, I, I might trade Christian and Julian Strother in order to get Alex Caruso, man. Like, that dude is an impact play, an impact player, and he's also shooting 40% from three this year and can handle the ball in pick and roll. So, like, there is some viability there. And also just getting him back, like, getting him in there so that he could be the sixth man going forward. Great fit. <laughs> like, combo. Yeah. Oh, you want to be a starter? <laughs> no, he would be the seventh man, sir. No, okay. Well, I do love, I do love Caruso. Yeah, no, he would be, he would be fun. But like, you could, you could absolutely see Denver playing seven guys twenty minutes a night in that situation where Alex Caruso plays the one and the two, Peyton plays the three and the four, basically, and they just kind of mix and match different groups and different lineups, and they, they'd be, they'd be held a face in, in a lot of their lineups, but. I don't want to get people's like, like, like hopes up too much because that's probably not going to happen. Like, Caruso is going to be traded to a team that can give multiple first round picks. I think probably not Denver for if that they reason. trade him. Yeah, if they trade him at all. Um, some other guys that they could go to. Uh, not a ton of like wings and wing shooters. There is something to be said about getting a guy off the bench that could hit some perimeter shots. Alec Burks is one that comes up pretty consistently. Uh, I don't think that Denver can afford him from a contract standpoint, though, and there's enough of a market there where they're probably going to be outbid anyway in terms of like, hey, if they're willing to throw out some of these guys, then probably not wise to do that. Um, Along with the forwards, because like think about what they had last year with Jeff Green specifically. It's a little bit different with Peyton because with Peyton, you kind of want him defending on the ball. You want him defending point of attack, playmaking wings, things like that. But if you're playing Aaron Gordon at the five, it's kind of nice to have somebody else that's the same size that can switch different matchups that can guard. And that's around like six, seven, six, eight, and pretty sturdy. Um, so I've come up with a couple different names here. Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal are two that come up. Uh, they are pretty expensive. And in like a lot of cases, Dorian Finney-Smith is going to be one of those guys that like a lot of teams are competing for. And he also is like a $15 million contract. So it's just tough for Denver to match from that right. salary perspective. Um, the other two guys, Daniela Gallinari, like, would you be interested in kind of a, no. a return for him? Not at all. Okay. No. Just no, not I mean, good enough defender. Yeah. I mean, some of this is if he's just, he would like Kevin love last year, he would have to really offset some of his efficiency for like really timely shooting. So I mean, yeah, absolutely. Like it, it would be, it could be a viable pick, um, but you just need to have a lot of movement, a lot of movement athletes around him. So I mean, you know, Christian and uh, good thing that they do, by the way. Like yeah, and yeah. maybe Zeke, Zeke would have to Zeke or AG, you know, just make sure they're floating around him as much as possible. Um, another guy is on the buyout market is Doug McDermott, uh, who is pretty likely to be a pretty cheap option. Uh, he's got a contract that isn't going to be traded for, but there's a possibility that he gets bought out and would be a very interesting option 
uh, just as somebody as a as a bench big shooter, like somebody who's a little bit bigger than somebody like uh, Patty Mills or somebody like that. I mean, I feel like Julian Strother covers a lot of that. Like he's not like an elite shooter yet, but I think he's just. I think just allowing Julian to grow into that role as opposed to having one of those additional older players would probably be more beneficial. Yeah. Uh, finally, they could go the big man route, like you mentioned. Uh, Andre Drummond's one of the guys that kind of pops up pretty regularly as an available big, but probably not the right fit for Denver. Um, Xavier Tillman, like how interested would you be in him or Kevin Love as two different big options? Well, Dave, Xavier, yes, absolutely. Kevin, no, the Heat aren't letting him go, I don't think. But Tillman would be excellent. That's a backup five. He's even he played the four, and he did a lot of brawn guarding last year in the playoffs, by the way, too. So um, he's a really good player. He makes a couple threes here and there too. Um, like I said, that would give them a really big body to be able to play. Uh, and I think him even next to AG, that would make a formidable uh, front court. I think so too. Like those guys would be versatile, and like Tillman can also pass. Like that's one of the things that you need with Denver system. So just having a guy that can sort of set the table for other people, like Zeke can't really do that, and DeAndre can't really do that either from a like a movement passing standpoint. And I think Tillman can, at least to the degree that you need him to. So um, that would be an interesting one. A lot of people think that he could get moved because he's on an expiring contract and he's an unrestricted free agent. So that's one that I'd watch out for. And he's he's also like. Or owed less than two million dollars, so like the the matching salary is easy if they wanted to get to it. Um, and the other one is Nick Richards from Charlotte, like probably not super available right now, but he is one that could become available. And if that's an option, then would it be the worst in the world? Yeah, I mean we'll see, man. Uh, I don't know what the Nuggets do with the trade deadline. It could be a, it could be a move way bigger than any of this, but it also more than likely could end up being you know nothing at all. Yeah, like I I tend to think that unless they're blown away by an offer, then they are like they're certainly not touching the starting lineup at this point. And if there's a bench guy that becomes available that's kind of surprising, then they might go to that. But uh, they just don't have a lot to throw around there from a contract standpoint and from a an asset standpoint. So everybody should be pretty tempered with their expectations on what they do, especially because they feel pretty comfortable with what they've have already. That's a fact. Yeah, man, it's gonna be exciting, bro. Should be fun. All right, everybody. That is going to do it, I think, for this episode of Weekends with Swipa. Uh, really appreciate everybody for hopping in. I'm excited for what is to come on this particular episode. Uh, everybody, make sure to hit that like button, that subscribe button on the episodes if you can. We're going to have even a little bit more uh, trade deadline content after this. So make sure to route yourselves over to that video when it does come out tomorrow. Should be a lot of fun. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really value all the love and support on the podcast. As always, hit that like button. And we'll talk to you guys very soon.